I went to a high school in Atlanta that was both affectionately and disparagingly referred to as the hippies on the hill, depending who you spoke to. Those of us who attended this school that started in a big house across from a beautiful park were honored to be called the hippies on the hill. Other private schools in Atlanta had spirit days where they dressed like a Galloway kid and wore tie-dye and Birkenstocks. They thought they were making fun of us, and we thought they had finally learned to be comfortable. <laughs> My high school had just a couple of rules. Be kind and try, and wear shoes. <laughs> the second is required by law for schools, but the first really taught us how to be in community. Our student handbook surely had other more specific requirements of us, but I honestly don't remember any of them. Either way, those specifics only communicated a minimum, minimum requirement for our schooling together. It must have said things about attending class, about not bullying or causing harm to other students, and about hopefully wearing more than just shoes to school. I'm sure it included disciplinary warnings about things like vandalism or drug use. We technically had other rules, but they did little to govern our lives together. Don't hurt your classmate, but more importantly, be kind to them. Don't damage school property, but more importantly, be good stewards of your resources. Keep your grades up, but more than that, stay engaged in your learning and encourage the success of your fellow students. Work together, support each other, be kind and caring, treat people with respect, and take responsibility for your actions. The rules in our handbook governed the minimum requirements for being a student and for being part of the Galloway community. The rules that actually formed us and that I know my classmates remember are to be kind and try and to wear shoes. These communal codes asked more of us than those rules in any handbook. They asked us to be part of a loving community of lifelong learners. And that is much more beautiful than simply a community of rule followers. I hear Jesus offering a similar ethic to his followers. Jesus is not dismantling or invalidating Jewish law, but is expanding on it. The law shares minimum requirements for membership in community. But Jesus' expansion teaches more about how to genuinely care for that community. Not murdering someone is a pretty low bar. Not taking advantage of someone sexually is a low bar. Not forcing someone to disproportionately experience societal burdens is not enough. More is asked of us. Jesus explains that even more than not murdering someone, we should be aware of our anger and resentment towards others. We should remember our conflicts with our brothers, sisters, and siblings as we offer ourselves to God. Our offerings to God are made more full by working for reconciliation with our neighbors. Sexual ethics and assumptions have changed since Jesus' day. But when Jesus speaks of adultery and looking at another person with lust, he's speaking at least in part about the sexual objectification of people. 
Jesus asks us to, not to treat people as sexual objects and to truly respect their humanity and dignity. And we are reminded of our personal responsibility to care for our siblings. When Jesus speaks of divorce, he is speaking to a society where divorce had catastrophic implications for women. Women would have become financially and socially destitute following a divorce. So when Jesus offers rules about the acceptable occasions for divorce, he's actually working to protect women. Today, we can see that while divorce can certainly have negative impacts on families and the individuals within them, it can also be the right choice for many people. Society has changed, and there are many more opportunities for women independent of a male partner. Jesus was primarily speaking to men, but today I think we can hear him speaking to marriages and relationships of all genders. Divorce is still hard, but staying in an unhealthy marriage also has negative consequences. What we might learn most clearly from Jesus' discussion of divorce is to place significant care on our relationships, to consider how we care for people, how we protect them, and how we work to mitigate and minimize societal harms. For centuries, rabbis have shared a similar practice to what Jesus offers us today. It's called making a fence around the Torah. While the laws of the Torah have stayed constant, rabbinical teachings and their fences around the Torah have changed over time. Rabbis offer these fences as a support for the integrity of mitzvot, the Hebrew word for commandments. They do not have the same status as the laws themselves, but help the community to follow the law, and they can change relative to society. Rabbi David E. Ostrich explains, as the Jewish tradition has shown over and over again, making a fence around the Torah can involve distinguishing historical form from timeless truth, daring to change the first to uphold the second. He clarifies this with the example of Rachel and Leah. In this story, Rachel is planning to marry Jacob, but instead their uncle Laban gives Rachel's sister Leah to Jacob. Jacob was cheated, and Leah was not allowed to consent to this marriage. When Jacob is later able to marry Rachel, these sisters are forced to compete for the affection of their now shared husband. Rabbi Ostrich names that the fences around marital law of the Torah have shifted to honor the timeless truths of fairness, respect, compassion, and autonomy. In Rachel and Leah's time, the historical form of the law allowed for polygamy and forced marriage. As times have changed, rabbis have offered additional instruction in the form of fences around the Torah so that the Jewish people require the consent of a bride in marriage and no longer practice polygamy. The historical form is altered in order to live into timeless truths. Let's apply this logic for our own day using secular law for just a moment. The law tells us not to commit hate crimes, but Jesus might tell us to examine our unconscious bias and to work for reconciliation across societal divisions. Jesus might tell us to actively seek relationships in diverse communities where we can learn from one another 
and grow in our responsibility to each other. Laws tell us that we should not sexually assault people, but we might also hear a reminder from Jesus that what was she wearing is not a faithful question. Instead, we might faithfully ask, what am I doing within myself to ensure that I treat people with dignity and respect? What internal assumptions about relationships am I working to heal and repair? How am I questioning society's treatment of women, of transgender people, of non-binary people? How am I working against massage noir or the hatred of black women? Similarly, if we use this logic, it's possible that we might question laws that do not align with justice and flourishing for all of God's people. When laws have, and still do, explicitly and implicitly, work against the flourishing of people of color, we should ask where justice is. When laws prevent LGBTQ people from living authentically as their full selves, we should wonder who is being protected and who is being harmed by legislation. Neither government law, nor school rules, nor biblical law are enough if we do not acknowledge and live by the timeless truths that the law points toward. When Jesus expands upon the law, he's actually offering us an invitation into the kingdom of God, where care and mutual concern guide the way that we read the law and the way that we follow the law. Being in right relationship with God and with God's people motivates and informs us. In the same way that I was informed by the rule to be kind and try, Jesus forms us with overarching codes of communal living. In Matthew 22, Jesus names, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. On this hang all the law and the prophets. The law and this commandment to love work together and inform each other. One without the other doesn't offer us a clear picture of how to live together in community. We are invited into the kingdom where law offers requirements for community, and the love of God, neighbor, and self help us to truly live as that community. This is my last sermon here in this community, so I want to leave you with this brief charge. Live according to the timeless truths of our faith. Care for your neighbors without exception. Love Jesus and every human being by treating them with dignity and respect. Live as your God-created selves and make space for the flourishing of all people. Love our God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbors as yourself which also means loving yourself as you would love your neighbors. And remember, Jesus did not come to abolish the law. Jesus came to help us live according to the law, a law of love for God and of all God's creation. Amen.